Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. I'm William Friedman, and today we're studying Ketubot 41. Today's Daf concludes the third chapter of Masechet Ketubot. To those listeners who have been with us since the beginning of this chapter, thanks for sticking with it. To those just joining us, I hope you'll find our learning enriching. The final Mishnah of our chapter deals with the question of confession. What if someone confesses to a crime that incurs a fine? According to the Mishnah, such a person is obligated to pay back the principal, but is exempt from the fine. In other words, if I steal an item, and the Torah says I have to pay either twice its value if it's a regular object, or four or five times its value if it's an animal, different types of animals have a different uh, payback mechanism, right? So the principal is the value of the object, the stolen object or the stolen animal itself, and then the fine is the doubling or the four or, or the multiplying it by four or five. Um, so what if I confess to the crime? Yes, I stole your animal. So the Mishnah says, in fact, in that case, you are exempt from having to pay the fine. You obviously have to pay back the principal. So actually, this Mishnah helps us conceptualize what these fines are about. Because think about it, there are two basic options. Perhaps fines are a form of additional restitution for costs not covered under other payments, specifically the payment of the principal. So for example, let's say I steal your cow. Yes, I owe you for the cow, but you also wasted time worrying about the cow, you looked for it, you replaced it, right? All of these things are costs, right? Costs sometimes not just in terms of time, but costs maybe in terms of money as well. So perhaps the fine is an inexact way of trying to cover those additional costs. The other possibility is that a fine is simply a deterrent, an additional penalty designed to make theft not worth the risk of getting caught. Under this model, the problem would be, well, if you only have to pay back the principal of the thing you stole and no extra money, then it's basically stealing is risk-free. You steal something. If you get caught, you give it back or you pay it back, right? But there was no cost involved, no extra cost to deter you from trying to steal things and seeing if you get away with it or not. So perhaps the fine is actually a deterrent for that. Since the Mishnah rules that fines are not paid if the criminal confesses, it would seem that the turn possibility is the correct one. Now, why is that? So think about it this way. If it's supposed to be additional restitution, then why should the fact that I confessed matter at all? Don't I still owe you for your time, your worry, all of that stuff? So if fines are fundamentally about deterrent, it starts to make sense. Because deterrents are about reducing future incidents of crime by making them very expensive. But we also want to incentivize criminals to confess. So eliminating the fine if the criminal confesses grants a benefit to confessing. There is, of course, a downside. Criminals might simply steal, and then if they think they're going to get caught or they're about to get caught, they'll simply confess, and in that way they'll avoid paying the fine. The Mishnah, though, seems to assume that on balance, more confessions, incentivizing confession by, by eliminating the fine if one confesses, 
that will be better, a net gain, than waiving the fine causing the increase in crime. So this actually takes us to an interesting Amoraic debate on our daf. One of the cases of confession in the Mishnah is the thief. And this is basically the clause we've been talking about the whole time. Ha'omer, ganavti v'tavachti u'macharti m'shalem atakaren al-pi atzmo, ve'enu m'shalem teshlume chafel v'teshlume arba'a v'chamisha. So someone who says, I stole and either slaughtered or sold, if it's the case of an animal, has to pay the karen, karen here means the principal, al-piatzmo, according to himself, i.e., in light of his confession, he still has to pay the principal back, but he doesn't have to pay the double payment, or the four or five times payment. So the Gemara picks up on this, this specific line, and says, well, actually the Torah has another monetary well, if we call it a fine, that will prejudice our reading. The Torah has another case where you have to pay money. Um, and for this, we're going to need a little bit of background. So in Parshat Mishpatim, Exodus chapter 21, verse 35, we have the following case. So this is the famous sort of way in which Judaism or Jewish law is often parodied. It's about uh, oxen goring other people's oxen, but um, actually this is central to thinking about how do we how do we work and live together in society. So one shore, one ox, um, uh, the ox of one man gores the ox of another man, of his re'ehu, his friend, his fellow, um, his fellow community member maybe, vamate, and then the second ox dies. What do you do in that case, right? One ox has now gored another ox, and it should be noted that this is in contrast to the next verse, which talks about an ox that you knew to be violent. So this is talking about an ox that had no previous history of violence. So this ox gores, it, gores the, another ox. So what happens? You sell, right? They sell the living ox, right? The ox that, caused, that, that gored. And they split the money. And also they split the, the value of the corpse, right? You can still use the corpse of the animal um, for its, well, not for its meat, at least in rabbinic Jewish law, but you can use the corpse of the animal um, for its skins, to make leather, and all sorts of things. Um, so it has a certain value. Um, so that's what you do. You basically split it in half. Now, the most important thing to recognize here is that we actually haven't gotten the principal paid off, Right? Um, that the dead, the full value of the dead cow, right, i.e. the value that it had when it was alive, has not really been paid off here. And this is what the rabbis are going to call chetzinezek, half damages. Um, and it seems like the reason for paying the half damages is because you didn't know, right? The owner of the original ox didn't know that his ox was violent. Um, but the Gemara is curious, how actually should I conceptualize this half damage? Should I conceptualize the half damage as a type of fine, or as a type of partial restitution. And it turns out that that debate is going to be based on how you conceptualize the basic ox. Um, we'll talk a little about that in a little bit deeper as we keep going. So the Gemara is, is on 41a, um, a little bit down the page. Itmar, it was said, and this always marks a case and then an Amoraic dispute over the case. Itmar, palganizka 
So the case of half damages, right, palganizka is just the Aramaic for chetzinezek, the half damages, and that's referring to this case of this verse. Rav Papa Amar, palganizka mamona, Rav Hunabarede Rav Yoshua Amar, palganizka kansa. So we have a nice, straight-up Amaraic machloket. Rav Papa says that half damages are mamon, are money, i.e. a form of restitution. And Rav Huna, the son of Rav Yehoshua, says, no, Palganizka Kansa, that half damages are um, knas, they are a type of fine. Um, and just so we're clear, right, the nafgamina, the practical outcome of this debate, is exactly in the context of this Mishnah. If someone confesses in this case, yeah, it was my shore that gored your shore and killed it, right? So I guess somehow maybe we didn't know who sure it was, right? The owner sort of disclaimed um, responsibility, or maybe we found a dead shore and we knew that it was it was a, a dead ox and we knew that it had been gored by another ox. We weren't sure whose ox it was, right? And we're doing an investigation. So if the owner of the offending ox confesses, right, then according to Rav Papa, who says it's partial restitution, Mamon, he would still have to pay. That was the rule in the Mishnah. Um, and Rav Yehuna Bereda Rav Yoshua says, no, Pagodnizka if it's a Kanas, then he would not if, he conf- if the owner confesses have to pay. So the Gemara now wants to go deeper. The Gemara wants to understand, okay, so what's the basic idea that leads them in this different direction? What's the, what's the Nikudata Machloket, as we sometimes call it, the, the point of dispute? Rav Papa Amar Palganiska Mamona. So Rav Papa says that half damages are a kind of restitution. Why? Kasavar, he thinks, right, and this is the Gemara imputing a thought, right, trying to understand what's the underlying thought process here. Um, and the Gemara thinks that Rav Papa thinks, Stam Shvarim Lav Bechezkat Shimor Kaime, Uvedin Hu Demshalim Kule, Verachmano Hu Dechayas Ilave, Da Akati Loi Ayed Torah. So that was a nice Aramaic sentence, so let's translate it. Um, right? The standard ox, right? Your standard ox, is not considered under the under the the presumption. Chazaka here is the sort of the presumption is not cons- is not presumed to be guarded. What does that mean? Um, it doesn't mean that owners are presumed to be reckless, right? But what it actually means is that your standard ox is a dangerous creature. Right? Animals have the possibility always of goring, right? That possibility exists in potentia in any animal, right? Now, we don't say, as we say about people, Adam Muad Leolam, right, that people are always considered in control of their actions and have the potential to injure at any time. Uh, if you want to know more about that, come back for, uh, for the discussion of that in Bhavakama. Um, but animals, right, even though legally we can't charge every animal who gores if there's no prior evidence. Um, that apparently would stop up the system too much um, or stop up the economy too much. But fundamentally, the Gemara thinks that, according to Rav Papa, most animals have the potential to injure. They have the potential to damage, the potential to do violence. Uvedin hu kule, right? And it would be logical. This dean is not the dean of law, but the dean of logic, right? It would be logical for him to have to pay the entire value of the ox that was gored by his ox, even though the ox had no history of violence. Oxen are violent, <laughs> fundamentally violent. Um, but the Torah doesn't require him to pay all of it. Rather, the merciful one, this refers to God, right? God um, is the one who takes some pity on him. He's chayas ilave. He like is kind to him or merciful to him. 
Because why? Akati Torah, that his shore, right, Torah is just shore, his ox is still not um, muad, right? His ox is, has still not been testified and confirmed its violent nature, um, right? So Rav Papa splits it and he says, look, really, fundamentally, he should pay full restitution, the owner of the ox that killed his friend's ox, he should pay full restitution for the dead ox. The Torah relaxes that requirement because it recognizes that, yes, I guess it's true that all, oxes ha- all oxen have the potential to be violent, but um, until, it rec- until it lives out that potential, so to speak, um, several times or, or uh, over the course of a short, relatively short amount of time, um, it would be unfair or unwise, perhaps, um, to apply the, the full uh, need for restitution. Rav Huna takes a different, uh, uh, or the Gemara thinks that Rav Huna takes a different tack. Rav Huna bereda Rav Yoshua Amar Palganiska Kansa. So Rav Huna, the son of Rav Yoshua, said that half damages are actually accounted a fine. Why? Kasavar, he fundamentally thinks, according to the Gemara, Stam Shvarim Shimor Kaime, that your average ox actually is not particularly violent, right? He walks around the world and he says, look, there are plenty of oxen who have never gored a thing in their life, right? So, okay. If the if oxen are generally not violent at all, right? Uvedin who deloli shalim klal, then maybe the owner shouldn't be required to pay anything at all. Virachamana who right? But the Torah actually, the merciful one, and here maybe it's a little more ironic because the merciful one is not being so merciful here, right? The merciful one is actually the one who imposes this fine, right? There was no fundamental legal. Um, need for restitution, and if you sort of think about law in that way, right? There was no fundamental need for restitution, but the Torah imposes a fine. Why? And this always is fascinating to me, as you've probably figured out if you've been listening to my last couple of podcasts. Right? I'm always interested in consequences and where the Gemara looks and says that consequences are being considered explicitly. Right? So the Gemara says the Torah actually imposes the fine. Why? Such that, such that, nintere the Torah, that the owner should guard the ox better. Right? That what we're worried about is if we're too lenient, right? If we're too lenient on owners of oxen, then yeah, we even though we say fundamentally most oxen are not violent, we also know that some oxen at least have violence in potentia. Right, some potential violence, and we want to encourage owners to guard their oxen to some extent, um, and therefore we have to impose a fine, even in a case where fundamentally no restitution would be owed, um, because we want to encourage that person to guard his ox because it has the potential for violence. Um, and so what's interesting about that, obviously, is that if the person confesses in that case, he wouldn't have to pay anything. Right, he wouldn't even have to pay the half fine. Presumably, the embarrassment of the confession, right, and the and the feeling that he was at fault to some extent, which caused him to come forward in the first place, that will be enough to encourage that consequence of guarding the ox more fully in the future. Um, so the rest of the sugya plays out the legal implications of these two positions. Um, and I just want to sort of reiterate what we've seen here is yet another case of the Gemara trying to balance competing goods and trying to achieve the most just solution for all parties. And remember, there's always three parties, the perpetrator, the victim, and the society as a whole. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros, 
from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.